Welcome back to Rogue Fun, a podcast story, the podcast all about Rogue One. I'm Alice White, and my deepest apologies for this episode being delayed. I was very sick last week and had no voice at all. But luckily, my very special guest this week was able to postpone and re-record this episode um, because this is a doozy and a really good one. So I've got this amazing special guest with me, the host of the Galactic Podcast, Lauren Romo. Hey, how we doing, Ailes? Hi, hello, hello. It's so good to have you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm very excited to talk some Andor and some other Rogue One stuff with <laughs> you. So very excited. Thank you for having me on. Super That's pumped. A- absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for postponing the recording and everything, too. I really, um, really appreciate that. I needed a- an extra few <laughs> days to-, to recover. This is, of course, first and foremost, a uh, Rogue One podcast and so i have to start by asking um tell me about the first time you saw rogue one oh wow so saw it in theaters and i remember just being in awe of what i saw because it was very it was very different right we it was something that we've never seen at that time it was it wasn't that very kind of happy happy ending the rebels win all the time Mm -hmm. uh end of the story because obviously as fans we knew what what that story was. We maybe didn't know the details, which the movie obviously presented and gave us, but we knew that, you know, it was not a, uh, you know, a, a good ending. <laughs> so when, when Rogue One came out, I was excited for the story, loved the characters, especially Cassie and Andor, Jen Erso were amazing. And I remember being in awe of like, man, this is a different Star Wars, but I... Loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, obviously, everybody talks about that Vader scene, as we should, because it was amazing. But just even beyond that, though, just the story of, you know, Jyn Erso, Cassian, this crew of people coming together to do what's right and to step up against the Empire. It was uh, inspirational, for sure. It's an inspirational story. It is a fantastic movie. 100%. Oh, totally. Yes, it was uh, inspirational is a, a really good word for it. It definitely inspired a lot of people, especially, I mean, it inspired me to uh, kind of re-up on my Star Wars fandom, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to, to say like growing up a Star Wars fan and you grow up a prequels fan, you know, you're, you're like, yeah, this, you know, I like Star Wars quite a lot. Right, um, right. But something, Rogue One came out at such a special time. It's such a, like, a weird point in our like history and mm-hmm. um and losing Carrie Fisher all at kind of at the same time I think really cemented Rogue One into a lot of our a lot of our hearts. Um it certainly got me into wanting to make a Star Wars podcast and become mm-hmm. like a like a creator within the um you know within the world of Star Wars. What mm-hmm. is it that got you to uh to start your start your podcast? Oh man. So I think it was I mean really the once the Force Awakens came out. I remember just being really back into Star Wars like a lot. I'm like, man, this is this is you know, I, I love Star Wars when I was a kid. I didn't read any of the um, Legends novels or anything like that, but I remember just saying like, oh man, Star Wars is back, and we were getting more stories. And then Force Awakens came out, blew my mind. Loved it. I loved all the uh, sequel trilogy movies, um, faults and all. You know, I have. I have fun with them and there there's a really good, you know, overall thread within that sequel trilogy. 
but I think it was right before The Last Jedi came out. Um, there's just that really big hype of like what is going to happen in this movie because we knew how The Force Awakens ended. And I remember in that kind of time frame, like maybe 2016, 2017, is when I really got into Star Wars like deep dives. Like I started reading the comic, um, the canon books. I started joining like Facebook group, like Star Wars groups. So like I really got into the the really crux of Star Wars, like really deep into the fandom. And, you know, a couple years later, my cousin and I were sitting at our uh, family function. I think it was Christmas, actually. And we were just talking about Star Wars like we usually do. My brother was there. He's kind of a nerd, but he's not like a big Star Wars nerd like we are. But he enjoys the movies. And we were talking and he was like, why don't you guys just do a podcast? He's like, you guys talk about it. You guys really have fun talking about it. He's like, just do it. So we kind of hem and hawed about it for a little bit, but then we decided to do it. And then 2000, was it 2019, August is when we did our first, released our first episode. So it was, it's been a journey. It's been a lot of fun. As, as you, as you know, man, you start, you start down the creative rabbit hole and you kind of, you know, you get sucked into it and you have a lot of fun. You meet some wonderful people down the road and you just have, it's, it's just a really special experience. I think once you get into this type of community, like the podcasting community, spe specifically Star Wars too, for me. Absolutely. It's been really, really great to meet so many, so many new friends and, and, you know, create this network of, of people that are just as excited about Star Wars as I am. Right. Um, right. You know, people, I like, I have friends that are, that are Star Wars fans, um, <laughs> but not like I have on the internet. That's for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> right. No, exactly. It's like, it's, it's such a weird thing. Like, again, like my, a lot of my friends, they are like, they like Star Wars, but they're not really deep into it. Like I am. But you go on to this kind of space that we're in and it's really incredible, like all the people that you meet. And then, you know, I was lucky and very fortunate enough to be been uh, to celebration in Anaheim and I went to Chicago, the previous um, celebration. So even at those events, you just get that really feel of how important Star Wars is to many, many people. And, and it's just great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I wish I had seen you at uh, Celebration Anaheim. I know. We, you know what? That was one thing about Celebration is like, I was like, okay, I'm going to like enjoy myself, try to meet everybody. And then you get there and it's like a whirlwind, as you probably know, Alice. And you're <laughs> just like, you're there. And then all it's like a big blur for like three days, four days. And then like you... You, you're heading home and you're like, God, I didn't even really talk to anybody or like as many people as you wanted to. So yeah, no, I, yeah. I feel you on that yeah. one too. I sure. walked away with so many of the like stickers and postcards and everything that I had made, things that I had been keeping in my, in my pocket, in my backpack, like the whole weekend long. Right. Like, I'm going to give everybody a Rogue Fun sticker. It's going to be great. And then all next thing you know, you're leaving. And I was like, why do I have just as many stickers as right. I had when I left. <laughs> that happened to me too, man. I ordered pins and, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I ordered like a, a small amount. I'm like, all right, I can get these out. No, I have like probably still like three fourths of like the amount <laughs> I have. I'm like, oh, well, I mean, it is what it is, but it's still, it's so much fun though. Like you said, yeah, at those events, it's, it's incredible. It really yeah. is incredible. It is. It is great. It's it's so great to to get uh, the fandom together, and that's I've been really enjoying doing these uh, and or recap episodes, mm -hmm. um, and um, getting people who are just as hyped about Andor as I as I am, and and talking to people that have been on the Andor hype train for mm -hmm. as long as long as I have since they announced it. You know, like 
three or four years ago now that he right. announced that that Cassian was going to get his own show, and to sit here and have been hyped about it this whole time, and like I'm so ready for Cassian Anders' new show, and everybody <laughs> that I know in real life is like, who? Who's getting a new show? The guy from Rogue One. I don't know him. Why is he getting his own show? Because like, right. he's amazing. Listen right. to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen to and you'll understand why Rogue One <laughs> is a fantastic movie. And Cassian Andor is one of the best, I think, up there Star Wars characters. Especially now with the series. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. we're going to talk about it. But, God, yeah. they have really given some nice exposition and some just wonderful character development. Yeah. Uh, and then Diego Luna. I mean. Ugh. He is really Love shining him. in the show. So I guess we could just we should just dive in and talk about talk about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about how how amazing it's been because mm-hmm. um, uh, and this episode specifically, I don't know what it what it was about the is the rising tension, the feeling that something's about to break. I just I was on the edge of my seat the entire time I was watching episode nine. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about today is we're talking about episode nine. It came out last week. Uh, the episode is called Nobody's Listening, which is a really interesting title. I think it was a, an interesting title, especially mm-hmm. since like I feel like all the titles so far have been about um, like what planet they're on or what, you know, the name of the prison is one or, you know, there's a lot of. um you know, like very kind of basic facts almost mm-hmm. as the titles of the episodes. This one is uh, is a quote from the episode. Nobody's listening. And and Cassian says it um, right at the beginning because he's trying. He, now we've been in jail for 30 days, we established at the end of uh, episode eight. Mm-hmm. And now Cassian is like, all right, that's enough. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get out of here. <laughs> 30 he has days, had enough, right? <laughs> fine. I've had enough time to scope the place out. He's making, you know, making alliances, even amongst people that aren't at his table. He's, you know, watching that guy who's got his sign language contact across the way. He's, you know, Cassie Nandor is once again showing us his, like, superior spycraft observation skills um, that we got to see a little bit of on Aldani. Um, and now he's using it to save his own skin. Um, <laughs> it's a really interesting um, part of his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, and that to to tie it into the title of the episode, nobody's listening. He, because he knows this, he's witnessed this. He's looked around and he's done his talking and he's done his listening. And he knows nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to listen. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to listen to what mm-hmm. he is going to say and not right. even his own bunkmates want to listen to what he has to no, say he's going to say don't. it anyways right it's it's a, it's a very powerful title because again like you said within within the uh, this episode it, you just get that feeling that like he is talking to a void like nobody you're like and that's you know even trying to convince um uh Andy Serkis's character Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's like he's just talking to a wall. Like he's nobody's listening to him. Nobody believes him, or they don't want to. They don't want to believe what Cassian is saying. They don't want to see what is really happening until it affects them. As we know later in the episode, you know, with um, Ulaf's death, it hits Andy Circus's character Kino really hard. And I think that's finally when he realizes that, you know, it he can't just sit idly by and he believes in Cassian now. And it's yeah. very interesting too, within, you know, you talk, we talk about rogue one and obviously 
how much we both love it. And then obviously the, the beautiful things that they're doing with Cassian as a character. But there's that scene in Rogue One at the very end where he asks Jin. A lot of people have, you know, I've, I've seen people tweet about it and it didn't hit me until I saw it, until people started saying it. But, you know, he did ask Jin at one point at the end of the movie. He's like, do you think anybody's listening? So it's so fascinating that, like, he went from a man that believes that nobody, you know, that nobody's listening to what him or others are saying to now to the point we talks to Jin and he's like, do you, do you think we did it? Do you think, do you think people are going to listen to what we, what we just mm -hmm. did? So it's, again, yeah. it's little moments that like that, that again, I, I didn't realize it and pick up until later till people started saying it. And I'm just like, man, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really, Wars. it's really good. And it really, yes, yeah, that, that connection to, yeah, that line, uh, at the very, very end of Rogue One, one of the last things those two say to each other yeah. before they I, die: mm -hmm. "Do you think anybody's? Do you think anybody's out there? Do you think anybody's listening?" And she says, mm -hmm. "Yeah, I do. Somebody's mm -hmm. out there." And and they were right. Somebody was out there. Somebody was listening, and possibly somebody's listening to them for the first time in years. Yeah. At this point, Cassie. At at that point in in Rogue One, when Cassian joins Jin's cause. Mm -hmm. um it's he says it in his in his little speech when he's gonna join when he says let's go to scarif he says everything we've done for the rebellion and we've done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion and i could never live with myself mm -hmm. if we didn't make this last stand if we didn't try this one thing um and i think that's been a driving force throughout his life through this mm -hmm. through this character's in, entire existence is if i don't try if I don't at least try mm -hmm. my, uh, there's nothing there for me. Nobody's, right. nobody's going to listen. Nobody just cares because I want them to. Right. Nobody just listens because, you know, I, I wish that they would. They're going <laughs> to listen if I make them listen. Mm -hmm. They're going to, and that's the thing with Eldani too. Like the, the ISB doesn't know that there's some sort of big rebellion happening. They just think yeah. it's little tiny you know, pockets of, of criminal activity. Right, but right. until Cassian does something on Aldani, until Cassian makes his statement mm -hmm. to say, here we are, we've done it and we've stolen from you. And this is our big manifesto yep. about what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. We're here to steal. We need the money we need, you know, and, and, and that makes the empire listen. Yeah. And the, that whole it's 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 such a I think a important through line throughout oh. his whole journey with the to the rebellion now yeah. and then into Rogue One. Um, yeah. Same thing. With, I mean, with Jin, it's the it's the same thing. Um, when J Jin gives her speech to the council, and then Cassian's like, "They weren't going to believe you, but I do. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. listening. I believe you mm -hmm. um, because he knows what it's like to not be heard." Yeah, and it and it goes right back to this episode of him being in a prison and feeling, you know, that he is again he's he's trapped, doesn't know mm -hmm. what to do, and he's trying to, you know, force people to listen to him, and you see that change now because you know when we see him in Rogue One, obviously he's a completely different person, and I think we're beginning to see that change now towards the end of this season. Is him maybe believing a that the rebellion is worth his time, his effort, and that it it needs to happen because of what 
is occurring. Like he's seeing it now, I think, in his face. Whereas, you know, Aldani was a mission to him. He was just doing it for the money. And obviously he tried to flee and just, you know, he he didn't want to be a part of whatever whatever else they were doing. But now, you know, because of because of where he is, I think that's obviously forces his hand, but it changes him, as we know. And he's going to be a completely different character by the time we get to the events of Rogue One. And even before that, you again, we slowly start seeing him like turning into that that spy like you were talking about, Alice, like the the rebellion spy that just is observant. He knows what to do. He's for the cause, you know, right now he's not for any cause a he's for him. He's for himself right now, trying to get out of a, you know, a pickle that he's in for sure. But eventually he turns into a guy that is for a cause. So seeing this transition of this character has been really amazing. Diego Luna. I mean, you can't say enough about his acting and this whole cast. And especially in this episode, yeah. My God, the acting was superb. Superb. Yeah, absolutely. I I do. I want to circle back to the prison because I I want to mm-hmm. end our conversation on Kino, and yeah. I want to I want to end. I want to I I want that to be the last thing we talk about because that the very end of the episode was mm-hmm. so shocking and so mm-hmm. like impactful. Yeah. Um, but a lot of stuff, a lot of really shocking things happened in this episode. We got a lot of, uh, we got a couple of big reveals and we got um, mm-hmm. some like really intense um, moments. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a very, very tense episode. Um, uh, so, and I want to make sure we, we get to as much of it as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to uh, hard reverse back to the beginning of the episode. I want to talk about, Bix Kaleen mm. um, and the torture methods that apparently the Empire has no problem using. Because mm. holy interesting. crap. <laughs> <laughs> that was interesting. I mean, talk about again, seeing the Empire in a totally different kind of way in this episode. I mean, we've seen the kind of usual methods within Star Wars of you know, probe droids and things like that as, you know, torture. But, mm-hmm. man, they really upped that game, didn't they, with this whole taking a sound of, you know, these anguishing um, sentient beings, and I'm forgetting the, their names. The screams of of the yeah. dying children. Children. Species <laughs> that has just been genocide. That's genocide. awful. What <laughs> on earth is that? What a it, horrible thing. No, no remorse. Like you said, Al, no remorse. They, they don't care. Like their methods mm-hmm. are just for results. Don't care right. who they hurt or whatnot. It's mm-hmm. that torture scene. Yeah, it's it was hard. But how they did it, though, was so good cinematography wise and sound design wise where we don't hear it Mm-mm. we just see binx's anguish screaming and you know that little cut of shutting the door seeing the officer walk away nice little nod to a new hope mm-hmm. uh when leia you know that whole scene happened so again small stuff little you know fun easter eggs for us fans that we notice but yeah i mean that that was it was perfectly done as far as us not hearing that and just our imagination yeah. let the audience imagine what that could be Absolutely. you know and, th- and then for the doctor you know to to even come up with this insane idea because of present it so cheerfully and be cool with it right he was like so proud of himself like it was oh amazing my God. i was yeah. sitting there yeah at first he's chatting and he's like 
hey, I'm just gonna do my thing. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, no all right, yeah, he's just gonna do his thing. You know, <laughs> he's he's just some guy. And then it turns out he's an actual psychopath. Mm-hmm. What? With the most cheerful little demeanor, and he was a little awkward, and he was a little right. like, oh yeah, so oh, imperial thing that so we invented. Imperial. It's gonna be pretty cool, actually. It's this really interesting like phenomenon that we found that will leave you curled up in a ball screaming. Um, so because three of our this. guys happen to happen just mm-hmm. so happened to do that yeah. and we thought can't that's you to, can't wait for right. you to find out this is gonna be fun for all of us isn't it and i was like Let's what? Do it. who is this guy yeah before this i thought you know because uh, yeah we've got a handful of torture scenes in star wars um mm-hmm. we've got leia of course with the probe droid we've mm-hmm. got um uh poe dameron tied up on that chair mm-hmm. all beaten beaten and bloodied like actively yep. bloodied you know uh, a different kind of physical torture i would say um mm-hmm. uh there are physical tortures and then what I thought may have been would have been the worst of all of the tortures that I think we see in Star Wars, which is uh, Bo- the Borgullet, mm. um, who right. um, grabs you with his nasty, nasty tentacles. And uh, longtime listeners will know that I um, hate the Borgullet. It's the number one thing I hate the most in all of Star Wars. Um, kind of agree. I mean, it's fascinating, but ooh. Yeah, he grabs you with his disgusting, nasty tentacles and holds you down and will find the truth in your mind, but it tends to leave you scrambled afterwards. And it does major damage to Bodhi Rook, who is Mm -hmm. basically unable to to speak or comprehend things that are happening around him for a while. And even even later, he is still shakier and not as um, sure of himself or of his speech, even when it's been a couple of days. But and so I thought that was the worst of the torture that Star Wars had to offer. Um, but boy, howdy, I was wrong. <laughs> we were all wrong on oh that my one. God. <laughs> an awful thing. I couldn't shake it, and I'm glad we didn't hear. I wouldn't even want to imagine like Ooh. what they would have tried to yeah. approximate. It would never, I think, be as awful as what your imagination can fill in. Right. And that's why it's so perfect. Like again, they don't play it. Perfect. I mean, and again, like you said, you don't want to hear it, but you kind of want it. As obviously as a fan, you're kind of like, well, I wonder what it sounds mm-hmm. like. But again, let our imagination do that. And yeah. just the the anguish in Binks's face, the screaming. And then obviously we 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 go back to her, obviously, after she's been listening to it for who knows how long. Oh, yeah. And you just see her sweating, like hyper like hyperventilating almost. Like she was in pain physical and mm-hmm. mental pain so yeah. leave it to the imagination it was so perfectly done you know and then again Deidre just Deidre this episode was really really fascinating to me mm-hmm. as far as in this torture scene I mean just the anger the 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 stare down of Binks you know and just knowing what the doctor was going to do to her like she was just she was enjoying it as much as the doctor was so oh, it was just, it was fascinating, fascinating. Deidre is a fascinating character She was to me. really interesting this whole episode. Yes, uh, between yes. that and another thing that I, I, I noticed that she did kind of on her own, um, which was when they were talking about having uh, found a rebel pilot uh, mm. that they were able to get information out of. Wow. And then her kind of without even blinking, without even thinking about it is like, oh, well, we can just stage his death. 
we'll just kill him in his cockpit and then push the, you know, push the ship into a lane. It'll get it picked up and it'll death will look like an accident. It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And the ISP is like, perfect, do it. What? it's so again it's something that we might have you know we we hear and we've seen you know the the empire try to trick the rebellion like we've seen it right and we've seen it kind of the plan in action but hearing it from like its inception of like here's a good idea let's just shoot the guy let's stage it as an accident and then we can draw the rebels in like Wow. Like, and no, again, nothing, nobody's like, should we do that? Everybody's like, yep, cool. Sign yeah, off. What do I do need it, to do? Yeah. Just, yeah. But they don't need to throw examine. Me an right, throw me an email. Let me know what's done. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not going to look in and see like, oh, well, uh, I don't know. What if we did this? But, oh, we have to make sure that it's done. They're like, nah, just do it. I right. trust you. Just knock it out. <laughs> just work it out. Oh, just work it out. It throw was, me that email <laughs> yeah and she just had that like at the top of her head because she's yeah. really really good at what she does well she's it's like- interesting yeah it's it's super interesting with Deidre that you know I think in the beginning of the series I don't know how you felt Alice but like you're rooted for her just because of how she was kind of being treated through the ISP yeah. you know yes and then when you get to a, this a episode man- Right, there's right. like a, a male co-worker of, her, of hers being like, "Don't do your job because it interferes with my job." Exactly. And then we're sitting here like, "Yeah, d- yeah, girl, you 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 <laughs> right. stand up to that guy." Oh wait, no, not like that. Oh no, <laughs> right. And then right, we get to this episode, and she's just like full blown, you know, imperial all the way. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, I don't know if I can really root for her anymore. Like. I was rooting for you a little bit, but no, I don't think I get. I don't think I get anymore. I did see that the actress gave an interview recently where she Mm. was talking about how important it was for people to understand that, like, for her character, Mm -hmm. especially since you don't see a lot of women in the imperial ranks and you don't see any in the original trilogy, Mm -hmm. um, about how important it was for her to um, make sure that the character was that that exactly that kind of sympathetic right. where you're like oh oh well she's just a girl like i'm gonna root for her but then she's just as ruthless if not more yep. than her male oh. counterparts because of how much she feels like she has to prove and how much she mm-hmm. the chip she has on her shoulder mm-hmm. and what the things that are keeping her back from being her true evil self um and now she's getting to do that and you see it we talked uh in the last episode um and about when she talks to Cyril Karn for the first time mm-hmm. and is dismissing him out of hand in the same way that she was dismissed. Yep. There's no empathy. She does not grow empathy based on how she was treated. She simply grows angrier. Yes. Um, and yes. more willing to treat people the way that she was treated. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's fascinating. That makes for a fascinating character. Um, that yes, I'm not I'm not rooting for, um, but <laughs> I care right. a lot about now because mm-hmm. of how um, in depth she is taking it with the performance and everything. She is really like she's diving right into mm-hmm. just the absolute core of the evilest people you can imagine, and I I really respect that. We're invested, right? I think they've made this character one that you get invested in right from the beginning. You know, and then they slowly, again, start peeling the layers of these characters. And this is, again, I think what 
Andor is doing very well is using the time that they have and really peeling the layers of these characters that we have known, like Mamatma, who we'll talk about later. But for these new characters, they're really, they set the stage. And then now it's, again, because we can live with these characters and it's not like a six episode series, this is 12 episodes, the longest, you know, that we've had in, on Disney Plus, Marvel or Star Wars otherwise. And we're really able to sink our teeth in. And Deidre, yeah. as I think is a perfect example of this being the the perfect opportunity to do that with a character like her. You know, my cousin made a comparison to Governor Price with Deidre. Very motivated, very sure of herself, wants to prove herself. Again, I it, Price is maybe a little bit of a more kind of um maybe a little more headstrong as far as she'll do it. No, don't worry about the repercussions where Deidre is very more, I think methodical clearly. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously she comes up with that, that idea of killing the, the pilot, but oh, like yeah. she seems very more methodical and very, again, in that torture scene, like there's methods to her madness. Whereas price was just a, I think a fire, like a fire stick that just was, you know, was going to go through things no matter what, and no matter what the consequences were or what the outcome is. I think mm -hmm. Deidre really is more about what is the outcome? How can I get what I want and how can I achieve my goal? You know, she's just, she's just a fascinating character. And then these scenes with her in the torture, you know, are really brilliant. And then again, we talk about the empire, not really caring. I mean, she talks to the other guy as after they, you know, they torture Binks and he's like, well, I want to hang that one guy just to prove a point. She's like, oh, yes. yeah, cool. Cool. All oh. right. Just again, send me that email and let me know how it goes. Oh, yeah. okay. So well, we're just going to hang gonna, people? <laughs> and like a total throwaway line that you could almost miss entirely if you weren't paying attention. Right. Uh, what do we do with the other one? I'd really like to hang them. It'd be pretty nice. It'd be pretty sweet. And she's like, yeah, all right, go ahead. <laughs> wow. Right. Holy moly, these guys, man. This ISB, they are they are not messing around. And yep. Um, uh, before before we move on away from from uh Dedra because mm -hmm. uh she is um so interesting yeah uh, and putting on such a performance mm -hmm. um i think we should talk about this scene with her and Cyril Karn before yeah. we move on because this is an like another layer to pull another layer of the onion to pull away um on this character and another thing that i think um helps with the like what I was saying before about how as you know as a as a woman in this male dominated world you know there are things that that chip on her shoulder and the like um like I have so much to prove about mm -hmm. about myself right. um that makes her understandable where you're like I don't I don't of course condone your what you are doing and your methods but I get where that drive comes from and I get right. where that like ambition comes from it's relatable, um, right? this scene with Cyril Karn accosting her outside of her workplace um also felt that same kind of um or or very similar kind of relatable this mm -hmm. is no longer um there's no longer like oh yeah i get it yeah you want to be you want to be the 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 coolest girl and you want to you want to win or whatever this is the kind of relatable that i think a lot of women would recognize mm -hmm. in general mm -hmm. um and that is the um 
overbearing, terrifying coworker um, who imagines a connection with you stronger than than you have thought about with them. So Cyril comes out of nowhere, waits for her outside of her work for who knows how long. Could have, could have been hours. And grabs her by the arm and pulls her aside and is like, we need to talk because we have this connection and we have this um, we have this common goal in mind and we could help each other. And I know you felt it too. I know you felt and understood that, that, that we're on the same page here. Mm-hmm. And what a terrifying moment. Like I felt that in my in my gut where I was like I've met this man I know this man I've worked right. with this man with right. somebody who is like like you feel it too right we have this we have this connection it's like oh no I was I was being nice to you <laughs> I wasn't hitting on you but in this case it was she's saying I was being mean to you and I meant it and you're taking it as, you're taking it way too way too it. the other way man it it was a fascinating scene. Again, well acted by both uh, both actors. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for Deidre, it was a moment of, okay, creepy for sure. Obviously, this guy, you know, has something, you know, some screw loose because he's waiting for me outside my work. Thinks that we have a connection just because he feels that I'm going after what he wants. But in reality, I mean... Yeah, I am at for the time, but her bigger picture is obviously Axis, Luthen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Cyril has just this focus on Andor, and that's all he cares about. And, you know, how he approaches her, again, very creepy, like you said, like just very stalker-ish. Like, yeah. it's very, very uncomfortable for sure. And again, for, unfortunately, very, you know, can be relatable to many women. And again, it's kind of frightening, but he, you know, he feels that he's in, empowered or, you know, just being by her, you know, he says by in his, in her presence, he feels that like, you know, everything's going to be okay. It was just yeah. a very, very kind of weird conversation that a, he felt that, you know, again, a connection that was there that is maybe a one way street. And again, how Deidre handles it is very, A, again, relatable, like, dude, back off. Like, if you don't leave me alone, I can ship you to the farthest place in the galaxy if you, if you, you know, if you want me to. Or, you know, I can do that. That's not going to be a problem. But he just, isn't her walking away, you almost, I don't know, you get the sense of when she gets into her office, too. Like, obviously, she has that, she had that interaction with him. And then her assistant comes in and says, hey, this is what's going on. This is when we hear about the, the pilot. And mm-hmm. then she's like, okay, cool. And then he leaves. She kind of takes a minute. And I feel like in that moment, she made a process of what was going on with, with him. And, like, I don't think, obviously, she feels. I know a lot of people, it's not a debate, but I feel like she does not obviously feel the same way as he does. Absolutely not. But I think her, she sees him as a tool for sure that she can use. That the feelings that I think Cyril has towards her are not reciprocated at all. No, it's a very weird all. dynamic. Very yes. weird dynamic. Cyril Karn is trying to have his like Mr. Darcy moment here where he's like, um, you make me have a reason for living and you 
um, you know, have brought a new light into my life and a new like understanding and all of this. It feels very like um, against my better judgment. I have fallen in love with you. Very, very um, proposal in the rain, Mr. Darcy, right. which obviously didn't work for Mr. Darcy. So how is it going to work for Cyril? Like that first proposal, it's never going to work. <laughs> You're saying all the wrong things, bud. You're doing a bad mm -hmm. job. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, I was, God, I was thinking about it. And um, I have this ex who pulled something very similar to Ooh. me to um, when I tried, I tried to break things off with him. And his first response uh, was basically to launch into this monologue that felt like he had pulled it right out of every rom-com he had ever watched in his whole life. Oh, no. Like, he was, you know, I... We're meant to be together. You, you know, you complete me. You know, he was, you know, with all of the the usual lines where I was right. like, I'm like, mm, I'm like 20 when this happens. <laughs> it's like 10 years ago. And I was like, you know, <laughs> like yeah, a couple of years ago when I was like a little younger, this might have worked on me. Mm -hmm. um, but now I'm looking at it. And I'm like, you're trying to trying to turn this real life real situation where i am really breaking up with you into some kind of like movie moment <laughs> this like the people who can who can look at a at a at a moment like oh i am a woman leaving my work i am trying mm -hmm. to go about my business and right. the, and a man can go well this is the perfect opportunity for me to profess my undying love for her and make her see how much she wants me in return mm -hmm. when like dude it's not gonna it's not <laughs> this is not the time it's right. not gonna work like that it's not a movie right and obviously this is a tv show right but in reality it, the, the the reason why this scene i think works so well is because in reality if he was pulling this nonsense um she would react that way she'd be like i'm gonna call the police on you leave me right. alone i didn't ask you to wait for me outside of work i didn't ask for mm -hmm. you to pay this kind of attention to me mm -hmm. i'm doing my job and you are not part of my life Mm -hmm. um and he's like left in the rain like crying in the rain <laughs> because all of a sudden everything that he wanted has crashed around him right it's and it's it's interesting you know that you talked about it a little bit earlier about like you know him telling his mom that he has to like work late now because he got promoted he brings that up to deidre he's like i want to thank you for the you know for helping me be get promoted She's like, I had nothing to do with that. So it's like he was even projecting something that wasn't even there to get to like to her, like a reason, like, oh, I wanted to thank you for the promotion, like an excuse, you know, and then we, you know, how long, like you, like you said too, Alice, like how long has it been out there? Maybe a while, because again, his mom says that, you know, he, he works late. Like, is he waiting for Deidre that time? Like, who knows like that right. i think that's an interesting kind of thing to think about is that like is he all those times he came home late was, was he, he actually working later yeah or was he stalking her right it's like it's so crazy to think about and mm -hmm. i um yeah it was really unsettling and they both played it so well yes, so perfectly there was a lot of really intense eye contact Yes. And, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was expertly done, I think. Yeah. No, um, I, I agree. The scene was perfectly done. It was perfectly acted. 
it was a again a, nothing we've seen in Star Wars for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> as as a lot of this uh, in the show has turned out, you know that we haven't really seen it or gotten it before. And this scene really, I think, is a good example of that for sure for yeah. me. One last thing that happens before we return to the uh, to the prison, mm-hmm. we had like really one last thing that happened in this in this show uh, or in this episode that really got me real good. Uh, I would like to say for the record that I uh, had a prediction last week that um, was um, I would say shockingly close to what actually ended up happening. I predicted that um, Vel was um, Dedra's sister. That was my my prediction because I when like we hear that. when we hear about Cinta, we hear you know when Cinta's like, um, oh Vel, like oh I'll just pretend to be a a rich girl, you know, just you know playing at playing at rebellion or whatever, and she's like, wow, that's cold, and shows up on she shows up on Coruscant beautifully dressed to talk to Clea, the hair done all all nice and everything. I was like, all right, she's somebody's relation for sure. Like we're not just showing vel on on coruscant for no reason right. um so my prediction was that she was um dedra's sister i was really close because it turns out she's mon mothma's cousin <laughs> um i'd say that was a pretty good pretty good uh prediction Huge reveal that's a really that's a solid a solid prediction i really i didn't even think about going down that road of her being related to somebody on the other side that would have been fascinating yeah that's why i was to, like oh that would be like a out. cool conflict yeah sister against sister kind of thing but i, I love think it i like this better yeah um because yeah. vel being mon mothma's cousin we finally finally i get you get to see mon mothma having like an actual conversation with somebody that she like respects and and who understands her under and who her understands home her right? like full <laughs> motivation and everything like thank God she has somebody that she can right. talk to, because right. it was just it was just gonna be her and Tay, her uh, her not ex boyfriend, her ex boyfriend, not ex boyfriend, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, she needs a girlfriend. Jesus, she needs she needs a a gal that she can talk to that understands her and like respects where she mm-hmm. is, um, because her she's certainly not gonna get it from her daughter. Oh God, um, no because her husband is playing her daughter against her. Um, mm-hmm. I re- I really liked the twist. I thought that mm-hmm. was really interesting. I mm-hmm. like seeing Vel all dolled up in Chandrillan style. Yes. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, there was a very relatable moment in the, um, in the scene when they're all having dinner together and Mon mm-hmm. Mothma's terrible husband is like, so why aren't you married yet? Why don't you have a husband yet? Why don't, you know, like, <laughs> like, uh, what's your so what's your deal um and i was like oh my god that was like all of all of all family dinners growing up like when i was in college coming home for holidays or whatever and like a mm-hmm. random auntie who i haven't seen in in a hundred years it's like <laughs> so where's your boyfriend at <laughs> it was it, it's a fascinating scene for sure like hey i think i love again i love how vel played it was very like came back, clap backed at um, Perrin all the time, mm-hmm. and you could see my Mothma's enjoyment out of it, which again, I loved. I love Genevieve O'Reilly; she's oh. absolutely a stunning in every costume they have her in. 
She is just absolutely killing it acting oh, yeah. wise. It's 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 been a joy, and I love seeing her play this character. Like she's just you can tell she's enjoying it, and she's just doing such a good job with this character overall. It was a twist. I didn't. I, me and Andrea, we were thinking that maybe she was related to um, Luther. Maybe he was his daughter. We like that's where kind of we were going with it. But for her to be related to my Mothma, a love the twist, and it makes a lot of sense. Because again, it seems like Luthen obviously is using Mon Mothma for resources. Mon Mothma, you know, obviously trusts Vel. And so maybe that's how she thought maybe she could help them is get her with Luthen and do whatever he needs to get done. Obviously, she didn't know that she was a part of, well, maybe she suspects, but she, you know, she asked where she's been. She said she's been gone for like six months. And, you know, she kind of asked, like, what is he having you do? And she's like, who? So yeah. even Val, and I love that. Again, I love how Val is turning into what Cinta even said to her. Like, this, you know, I, I, I am here for the struggle of the rebellion. Us, you and me are, you know, we're we're kind of second fiddle to that. Yeah, obviously we care we care about each other, but I will always choose the struggle over you. And that's, again, Val took that very hardly, clearly. And, you know, now she's being that way towards Mon Mothma. So it's just, again, a very interesting change in character. But again, you understand it because of what she's gone through. And then the person that she cares about doesn't even care about her in a way and she you know it's it's a very difficult situation for Vel to be in but the the twist of her being related that was very cool I did not see that coming it was again the the, the dinner scene was fantastic any anybody that could put Perrin in his place I love so <laughs> Vel is you know huge huge heart in my in my you know book of this episode because of her you know standing up against Against pairing. And yeah, yeah. And you mentioned my mother's daughter. So, you know, Andrea and I have talked about this too. Like, something's very, again, we know, like you said, Alice, that her dad does have control or big influence on her. But it's so weird, though, that two times that she has interrupted her mom at a dinner party, it's been with Tay, which, okay, mm -hmm. maybe that's because of pairing. But it feels like, though, too, that it's like, it's just so weird. Like, does she, does the daughter, even without parents, suspect of her mom? Or is it parent pushing her, really? Or did she actually really want to talk to her mom about something? Like, it, it's so that, it's just a weird dichotomy of, between, you know, my mom and her daughter. And then to think, too, Andrea and I have talked about this, too, on our show, that, like, you know, in a few years, she leaves without them. We know mm -hmm. from Rebels, that she, yep. you know, gets picked up by the, by the ghost crew without them. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, Alberto from Radio Rebellion was on, and he made a good point about, you know, I wonder, is it Perrin that maybe starts the process of getting Mon in trouble? Like, maybe he alerts somebody in the ISB, and maybe that's the reason she flees, and that's why they're not with her. Like, it's such an interesting, like, I, I'm very interested to see what happens and what's the cause of her leaving them behind? Is yeah. it by choice or is it because of parent and 
her daughter. Like they, they like try to turn her in. Like it's just the whole my mouth, my family dynamic is so intriguing and so fascinating. And again, without this show, we don't get that at all. Exactly. Exactly. You're totally right. I can't wait to find out more. Yes. Mm -hmm. And especially, yeah, we're coming up. It's got to be close. You know, maybe not, yeah. maybe not this season, but early next season, it's going to be time for Mon Mothma to jump ship. Bail. Yep. She, there's yep. not She's going to leave. be much she can do for the for the rebellion from the Senate floor. Mm -hmm. um, not after, because she leaves, she cites the Gorman massacre as the right. reason why she leaves, and we've already heard about the um, the new like trade restrictions on right on their planet, and so something's something's going to happen, and I, we're going to see it from this perspective rather yeah. than from, yeah, from the ghost crew perspective um, and yeah. rebels, which is just the really aftermath cool. of it. Um, mm -hmm. And it's going to be really, really interesting to find out um, what happens. Um, mm -hmm. I feel, I feel awful for her all the time. And I, right. I, 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 do, I do feel bad for the daughter for Leda mm -hmm. um, cause she is clearly being used here oh, yeah. as like, a pawn between her parents and she might also like have her own suspicions. She's old enough now. She, she was what, like 15, 16. She's mm -hmm. about as old as Leia is at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, and perfectly capable of making her own, um, her own judgments and everything. Right. Um, I just think her father's influence is stronger than her mother's at this point in her life. Yeah. Um, yeah. with her mother being, um, uh, such a workaholic, it's kind of a Ben Solo echo almost, you know, mm, when, you're, when your mother who loves you so much, but isn't around, mm. you know, you're going to be influenced by other, other voices in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, for Ben Solo, that other voice was not his father, but Snoke. Um, and, but, and for Leda, um, her, her, her voice is not, um, is not uh, the dark side, but her father who sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, <laughs> who's a fascist like who loves the empire well we i'm not i will say we don't know but he definitely leans but he's like that oh, yeah, I'm, way i'm gonna hang yeah. out on the cool side of the table exactly. with sly more right. like yeah, come on like this Bro, guy right. is Bro, weird come on. Come um on. i also think that part of uh mon mothma part of her character is really interesting um to compare to um i think it's in I don't remember which uh, which book it's in, but somebody was talking about it a couple episodes ago where uh, another part of Mon Mothma's um, character during this time period of the mm -hmm. rebellion is that she is constantly being accused of having an affair with Bail Organa um, because mm -hmm. of how much time they spend together and how much time they, um, you know, how close they are. Mm -hmm. um, and that I wonder, is is it? Leia, Princess of Alderaan, I think the um, the book. Ooh, it could be. I haven't read that book in a minute, but you might be there's right. There's this whole bit about about like uh, everybody's you know thinks that that Bail Organa is cheating on his wife, and but Brea, of course, is like, no, I know what you're doing. It's a rebellion thing. Like, like keep doing what you're doing. In <laughs> fact, like encourages it. Like it'd be so funny if everybody thinks you guys are having an affair. Um, <laughs> But I think that's really interesting that now this is this this would then be another time that that same accusation mm -hmm. is kind of being leveled against Mon Mothma, as mm -hmm. if a woman in power can't be spending time with a man with some kind of power also unless they're sleeping together. Um, it feels it feels deliberate. It feels like mm -hmm. like all of her actions are going to be treated with suspect. Right. Um, 
because she's a bit of a troublemaker, but also because she's a woman. Yeah. Um, and that I think is going to come to a head pretty soon. I think we're going to start seeing some fallout from that. Um, and gosh, man, we're still on Jimmy Smith's watch over here. Every uh, single week, every week we wait for Jimmy Smith's to show up because there's no way Bail Organa isn't in this. He's got to show up in these last two episodes like, at he, some point. Because, again, just, just like you said, those two are so essential to the rebellion. We mm -hmm. know they obviously head to Yavin and they are there like kind of running everything together. Like we mm -hmm. know how important those two are. And mm -hmm. just like you said, people had suspicions of them, maybe having an affair or whatnot. So it's, it's fascinating that again, like you, just like you said, just because she's in a position of power and she's talking to a, another, a man of power, they look at her as the one that is doing something wrong or, you know, the one that uh, would be causing the rift between his family instead of just being colleagues and just wanting and believing in the same things as as just equals, as mutuals. So it's it's, it's fascinating. Again, I poor Mon Mothma, I, I, you know, pour one out for her because, like, she just <laughs> deserves the best. She really does. I she mean, really does. she has been going through a lot. And it, again, without this show... We don't get any of this backstory of her because up until this point, I mean, really, we knew she was a senator. We knew she led the rebellion. We knew that she got rescued by the ghost crew to get out of Coruscant. That's kind of where we were with her up until this show. And now, my God, like now she has a family. She was married at 15. They had a kid. And, you know, now she's trying to do this rebellion. Her husband's a jerk and believes in the empire apparently her daughter's against her i feel bad and I, I just feel like this character is going through so much in this little bit of time frame and it, it's so cool to see though like this is such a good character development for a character that we have known but we're getting so much more now so much more and it's it's fantastic yeah absolutely <laughs> All right, um, to wrap up the conversation about the episode before we sign off, um, we've got, we've, we've put this off. We're circling back around. We're going to talk about the last couple of minutes of the episode. Mm -hmm. um, because I think the last five-ish minutes of this episode that we spend with Cassian and with Olaf and uh, with Kino um, right, right here at the end um, are some of the most emotionally fraught mm -hmm moments in star wars history and i think some of the most emotionally acted and some of the this is this is going i think to go down in one of the most iconic moments in star wars mm. um and it it hit it hit hard and it hit fast and then they just end the episode with like with like with the biggest cliffhanger um uh, making you so anxious for the next episode um so these last couple minutes of the episode, we've got poor Olaf, who mm. um, has been struggling now for a couple a couple episodes, um, really having a hard time getting his work done. Um, I was so sure every single time they showed a close up of their hands doing, um, you know, doing the the work, pulling the you know, cranking the levers and moving the things around. I was like, there's going to be some sort of huge accident. Somebody's going to lose a hand. Olaf's going to. Um, 
he's going to lose a hand. He's going to, you know, lose a finger or something. I was like, I, I was so tense the entire time. Um, but instead it turns out that the poor man has a massive stroke mm. um, with only 40 something days left in his, in his sentence, um, which we now know means nothing. Um, <laughs> but to him, 40 something and to Kino 40 something days in your sentence means a couple of sleeps and you're out. That's mm -hmm. it. And that that's freedom. Something that they've been thinking of for years. Mm -hmm. And Kino has been holding on to that so desperately. Something that I've really enjoyed about his performance about Andy Serkis's performance in this is his reaction. Every time anybody mentions that, that maybe you won't get out. <laughs> Maybe you won't leave your um, your sentence is going to be made, you know, doubled like it was before. Like uh, your um, anytime, anytime Melshi's like, we're not getting out of here. And he absolutely loses it on Melshi. He he smacks the crap out of him more than once um, for even suggesting that they might be in there longer than the posted because that posted number, that number that he gets to look at at the end of every workday means everything to him. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly it's suddenly it's nothing. It's meaningless. meaningless. Yeah. It's meaningless. And for a character that I think is driven by like, like what you're just saying, the, the hope, I mean the hope that, yeah. Okay. I only have so many days left and I'm out. You know, the, you know, um, Olaf only had so many days and he's gone. Come to find out it's all for nothing that they are mm -hmm. just recycling them on another floor mm -hmm. and they, it, they are here. They're not getting out. And it mm -hmm. took that point. It took, it took Kino to hear the words from that, you know, uh, doctor who was a prisoner too. Let's not. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, he's and, also a prisoner. Yeah, and all he could do was just euthanize poor Olaf and already calling for like a gurney and a bag before he did anything to him. I mean, it was just emotional from that, you know, like you're saying, those last few minutes. It was a lot. It was a lot to take in. And you felt that in Andy Serkis's character. Because like you said, right at the, uh, up until that point, he still had faith that, you know, it's just, it will be fine. He'll get out. Like he, I mean, he made that big speech after he went after Melshi. You know, it was like, it's just another day, another shift. You know, let's not worry about it. And he was talking to himself. That right. Shift. right. Oh my God. Right. He's absolutely shaking through that speech. Right. And, and then whispering to, to himself at the end of it, like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through right. this. He had to All tell himself. All we have to do is yeah. get through the day. Yeah. Oh and it's so God. interesting. It's so interesting that it took again Cassian Cassian knew he he has known from the beginning like when he walked in to that prison he knew that okay I'm not staying here I need to get out he knew it you know he knew they weren't going to leave like he understood mm -hmm. and him trying to convince Kino all episode like dude don't look around man look around just realize what's going on we are not leaving you know, I know you know how many guards are on this freaking floor. Tell how me many. how many guards. Yeah. Tell and me, tell me, wouldn't. tell me. No, 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 no. No, no. And then until nope. until finally, how many guards are on each floor? He says, 
never more than 12. Mm. And the, oh. the way he like said it, the line delivery, and oh. just his look on his face. I, I'm so glad we have Andy Circus unmocapped and just in <gasps> his like just, just getting glory. His little yes. butt off. Oh, yes. he is doing such a fabulous job. He is he, so unreal he, talented. Yeah, he is. I mean, I don't think people obviously a lot of fans, nerd fans like us, we know him from, you know, obviously Snoke and Star Wars. We know he was mocapped. He's been mocap for, you know, in Lord of the Rings as Gollum. We know he's mocap in the um, um Planet of the movies. Apes. Yeah, the uh, Planet of the Apes movies. Mm -hmm. And he does such a good job. Like, really, yeah, it's CGI, but, man, that's Andy Serkis. You can feel it in yeah. those performances. But to see him now, you know, in his glory of just being Andy Serkis and being a phenomenal actor, it's it's been really, really, really so exciting to see him and exciting for us to actually see him physically yeah. you know and not behind all the, the mocap suits and all that stuff yeah so in addition it, because he's also right. a very handsome man yes um, let's not forget let's not forget, not forget that also yeah. we get to see his beautiful face <laughs> right so it's just been it's been like fabulous hell. yes so, yes it's been yes. so good so yeah so this yeah i've been i've been so i've been talking to people about this um about the um mistake that was made about recycling them to another floor because mm -hmm. that that was it was a mistake they say it say it in the in the in the show i had to explain it to my brother-in-law earlier who was like <laughs> oh yeah well they they must have always been recycling but like how would they have how they they just didn't know that they were doing it? i was like no because they weren't always recycling they were recycling to other prisons mm -hmm. and to other you know because when right when when they send cassian keith <laughs> when they <laughs> yeah, send keith to um to to the prison um they sort them they're like all right you go here you go here you go here you go here there's like six ships like in a mm -hmm. half circle and mm -hmm. they all get taken away clearly what happens then is that you finish off your service in one of those places and then get put it on a ship and sent to another one mm -hmm. but then this guy didn't get sent to another one he got sent right back to where he mm -hmm. came goes to level two and is like hey wait a minute i was just here i was on level four <laughs> i just did this right hold on a second this is messed right. up and mm -hmm. tells his friends on level two and then they mm -hmm. tell the day shift on level two and then well you can't have that mm. getting out mm -hmm. so you fry the whole floor an awful hundred thing. people yeah awful yeah. awful thing yeah 100 people yeah. just gone like right. that because right. of the empire's mistake because the it's empires decided to try and cheat the system instead of just like <laughs> letting him go for time served they're like no right. let's let's put him into a different prison and then right. a filing error or just like because and now i'm thinking because now we've seen this prison run for a couple episodes and we mm -hmm. know there's never more than 12 12 guards on each floor i think it's just not very well run mm -mm. no um, it's not it's, it's like not, one of the first things that. we see um, when when Cassian's being filed in, too, where they're like, hey, we need this guy. Where is he? Hey, where is this guy? And they're like, oh, uh, somebody needed help on a different floor. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're understaffed. Yeah. 12 is not enough people. No. Uh, do I mean, you floor. do the math. It's, 50, you know, 100 per thing, 
Only you're again assuming 12 guards. That's assuming no more than 12. No more than 12. So it could easily be less. Right. They could right. be sending the same 12 people to exactly. each floor. Exactly. You, you would never know. No, no, you wouldn't. So they are definitely outrun and they again, very empire. They they think their tools and their you know technology will be the thing that keeps people in line. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't. It, it it doesn't. And then the the whole clerical arrow too. You know, I I wonder if they because we when we first go and see um I'm blanking on the planet's name now uh some something five Narkina five Narkina five. Thank you. So when we go to Narkina five, we see there are other like pods of other like prisons. So I wonder if they take them and take them to those. So they like literally take them out of that facility put them into the other facility like Just down like down right, the street yeah right and that's what should have happened but instead they kept them in the same same building same whatever mm -hmm. just a different floor yeah. that's how they found out that's they're, how they screwed up yeah, yeah if they're understaffed if they're you know mm -hmm. but they they would have to send them somewhere so i i just i really i wonder I wonder why this is the first time that this has happened. That somebody it like is like, okay, this is the end of my sentence. I'm leaving, but is filed right back into prison. Mm -hmm. Why it hasn't been a problem before? If somebody is like, hey, why hasn't somebody gets to this their second prison or whatever and gone? Mm -hmm. Hey, wait a minute! I was supposed to be free a minute ago, and right. now I'm in another prison. They're just recycling people like that. Right. And that hasn't been an issue yet until this point. So I wonder if this is like the first time they're trying to recycle Could people. Be. If Could they're be. like, if the, the, uh, the new, the new like thing, the um, whatever it's called, the prisoner, you know, sentence, mm -hmm. uh, the thing that they passed. The, the yeah. The passed. P O P O R D. I can't remember what it stands for. Yeah. And and so if this is like oh that pressure is now on for us to like recycle these prisoners to different prisons, mm -hmm. um, and the first time they try it they mess it up real bad or or whatever um, be. because I would think that a prisoner sounding off alarms in other prisons saying hey my prison sentence was up I served my six years I served mm -hmm. my ten years and now I'm still in prison I feel like would cause a problem in the system. You would think, or people would just think that person is crazy. Yeah. That, like, or, yeah. they're just trying to, you know, oh, they're just trying to say they shouldn't be here, that they were already in prison. Yeah. Oh, because everybody who yeah. walks in is in, everybody goes to prison, prison right. is innocent, right? Right. That's... Right. So, it could, if they did it right, again, we don't know if this is their first time or this was the first time they screwed up on it. Again, maybe, I, I wonder if we'll get a little bit of an answer in these last two episodes. Maybe, maybe not. And either yeah, way, it probably doesn't matter. Yeah, but probably doesn't matter in the long way. term. But it is it is really interesting to see that mm -hmm. this like crack in the armor of yes. the empire that and something like this can happen because of themselves, though, too, because of this initiative, this P.O.R.D. Mm -hmm. They are forcing again, as we saw when Cassian arrived, like you said, short staffed. They have way too many people to even take control of. I mean, yeah, they have this electrified floor. But still, I mean, if you easily, if these prisoners, as we see, are coming together, they will overtake that facility in a heartbeat. Like that. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. That's what I think I'm looking forward to next, this episode, this new episode, and maybe, again, 
see where the finale goes. But I feel like this next episode is going to be the prison break. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be really cool. Because again, if they take over this facility, where do they go? I mean, they are on water. Yeah, they could maybe, do they get a ship? Like, how do they get out of yeah, this facility? Like, steal a prisoner transport and get out? We don't know. Right, right. But it's Cassian be has some kind of plan. He has, he's been messing with Cassian. the pipe. He's been doing something during his, you know, right. during his, his uh, bathroom runs. Right. Um. So right. he's obviously got some kind of plan. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he, uh, what it looked like to me is he was messing with some kind of pipe over the sink, which makes me think like a water pipe, which mm-hmm. makes me think that like maybe the floor isn't conductive through water like if he gets the if he floods the floor if they're Mm -hmm. okay to walk on it even if Mm -hmm. it goes off or or if he thinks he can short circuit the you know the floor or something that's kind of that's kind of the vibe that i was getting um from him i like that um but i don't know who's to say my cousin andrea she she had an interesting idea that what he's doing is obviously trying to create some type of distraction. So then they force that elevator down because yeah. they know, as we know in that episode, this episode, that the um, elevator's not it's not electrified yeah. and that they can easily overtake one guard. Cause that's, I think is how many are on the elevator when they take down a prisoner. Yeah. So, so they, I, they I know the one guy that, and they don't have blaster weapons. They only have the like right. taser weapons. Right. So, get enough guys in there and you get a hold of one of those taser weapons right. you're you're golden yeah yeah so i i do i wonder if a like you said that's a very interesting idea i kind of i like that to kind of you know the bust the water pipe force you know the water on the floor maybe doesn't that would be that yeah. would be a very very cool idea i kind of yeah like or that. maybe it yeah maybe it's just a distraction to get a mm-hmm. worker team down there to fix it or or yeah. or something who knows but it's gonna be interesting uh, I we're gonna can't find wait. out we're gonna find out in a matter of hours really because right. uh, because of my uh, illness delay we are recording this on the tuesday before um episode uh 10, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tuesday before episode 10 drops so uh so this episode will come out tonight um tuesday the 8th the next episode you will see uh tomorrow uh wednesday the 9th i'm gonna i'm just gonna power through all of the editing boom 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 um <laughs> and you'll have uh, a lot of rogue fun to listen to uh <laughs> coming up and uh, a lot more good and or to watch uh any minute now because mm-hmm. we're we are like six hours away from a new yeah. episode it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> i'm so i'm so excited i've been looking forward to it all week long i guess it's time for us to wrap up lauren uh thank you so much for joining me um, oh thank this you this was an absolute blast you are a delight to talk to <laughs> oh well thank you thank you and i, I appreciate you having me on this is such a, such a fun conversation i love these kind of just love these conversations of just kind of talking about Talking about the scenes, what we loved, kind of what we think about it. It's it's part of what we we do at the Galactic Podcast too, and it, it's such a joy. So thank you for having yeah. me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course, of course, my my pleasure. So, uh, Lauren, tell people where they can find you on the internet. Yeah. Um, so for right now, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Loro Knows, and you can follow that um, same uh, handle at, on Instagram as well. And then you can follow the Galactic Podcast at the Galactic Pod on Twitter. And then all our episodes are on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, all the major platforms. So uh, go check us out and uh, give us a listen. 
awesome awesome yes you got to go listen to the galactic podcast um absolutely fabulous we love having you on the show this was um, a blast you had gonna have to come back for sure yes oh yes i'd love i'd be honored be honored my friend love to come uh, back. and so so you can find this show on twitter at rogue fun pod um you can also find me on uh on twitter on Instagram, on TikTok, and now, oops, on Tumblr at Alice White THP for those happy places. Those happy places is our flagship show. It's our um, podcast all about theme parks, rides, and attractions, and why they should be thought about as literature. If that sounds interesting, you can find that. Uh, you can find those happy places over on Twitter at Happy Places Pod. You can see those happy places, Rogue Fun Pod, and all of our other podcast adventures over at thosehappyplaces.com. And if you like the show, you want to support it monetarily, you can find us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash thosehappyplaces, where you've got a couple of different tiers for uh, supporting the show um, if you like what you're hearing, you want to hear more. So uh, once again, that website is again, patreon.com slash those happy places. I'll have a link to all of that in the show notes. This is rogue fun pulling away. May the force be with you. <laughs>